praise you, Jesus. I worship you, O Holy Father. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, to feel after your mighty presence. We need your glory. Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. All right, if you have a Bible this morning, we're turning to Luke's account. Luke chapter 6. Glad for each and every one of you to be here in God's house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Luke chapter 6. We're looking at verse 46. Ask, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. I want to work for a little while this morning on doing the things that he said. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. This verse kind of brings you to the bottom line, doesn't it? There are people that say a lot of things, <clears throat> protest or defensively they defend themselves. Uh, they'll point out, look what I did, and I did this, and I did that, and I did the other. And uh, But the Lord here is the final judge, and he's not in much interested in our defenses or uh, us trying to rationalize or make excuses. I'm sure you've read in the scripture where the excuse-making servant made God angry. God's not looking for excuses. Uh, really, what the Lord would like us to do is what he says. That's, that's really, when you think about it, the bottom line. Have you done what I said? It all begins, of course, with us obeying the plan of salvation. That's the first order of business. If we can begin to get that those steps being taken. Uh, we repent of our sins because that's what the Bible, that's what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us to repent and obey the gospel. So we repent. That's the first order of business. And I think we stressed last week how important it is to make a good repentance, to make a worthy repentance, a true repentance, a biblical repentance. You know, when... when uh, Jonah went through Nineveh, even the king got involved at that time. Big old city, over 100,000 people. And the Bible said they were uh, so lacking in knowledge that they didn't know their left hand from their right. That's how they were described. People who didn't know their left hand from their right. They just didn't have a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, uh, looked like didn't have much common sense. And yet, God sent the preacher, to go give them the word of the Lord, and he started making excuses. And God wasn't pleased with that, so God said, fine, if you don't like what I've got for you to do, then try this. And about that time, that big old whale, New Testament called it a whale, great fish, came and swallowed old brother Jonah up and gave him a little taste of hell. He couldn't get out of there fast enough, and I guess uh, the Lord used something about 
Jonah to give that great whale a little indigestion. He just coughed old Jonah right up on the beach, and Jonah decided even then, though reluctantly, to go and as the word of the Lord came unto him the second time. Now let me tell you, when God speaks and you don't listen, you don't do, you might not get to hear it the second time. You have to be very careful about that. Uh, what did it say about Esau? said that uh, he couldn't find that, though he sought it carefully and with tears. And, uh, you know, God, his mind, his thoughts, his ways are above our ways. And you can't try to figure that all out, think that you're going to play chess with God. Uh, I like telling this story. The, uh, we have a brother that came into church, and he's had a very rough 36 years of life, like many of us have. And uh, he got baptized in Jesus' name, and he got the Holy Ghost. He said he, he was so happy, and he said, I'm so sad that I wasted 36 years of my life. But, you know, maybe it took 36 years and a lot of different things to soften him up, to get him ready, to get him willing to live for God and to be open to the message of God when it came his way, which thankfully he was. And uh, came to our church in Fort Myers, and he's begun to carry on living for God, and he's doing a very good job. And, uh, you know, you, he said, uh, the pastor said to him, would you like to play a game of chess? And he said, okay, we'll play chess. So uh, the pastor said, now, the pastor knowing that he's probably going to be polite and not try too hard, let him win. So he just said, look, he said, don't, don't let me win. Don't take it easy on me. Don't let me win. So he said, Okay, Pastor. So he beat him in three moves. So I've been enjoying that because Pastor's quite a good chess player. <laughs> so I, you never know about somebody, right? And uh, what I'm saying to you, though, is that when you, you can't always figure everything out, especially about God. And you don't want to play chess with God. You don't want to play games with God. It's not a game. That's a first order of business. And uh, it's just best to come back to the book and you've got that chapter and verse, and you begin to see what he's saying, and you're asking him to open your understanding to what he's saying. But I'm trying to tell you, the bottom line is, are you doing the things that he's saying? And that's what we want to hear. He's telling people that came to him, he's saying, why are you calling me Lord, Lord? Why are you putting on all these airs and acting like you know me and like you live for me. You know, why are you putting on this front? He's saying, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say. See the bottom line. He's looking for us to do what he says. You don't have to do more than he says, and you certainly don't want to do less than he says. You want to do what he says. Just want to do what he says. You remember the man that became the Apostle Peter, and the Lord uh, had gotten ready to wash everybody's feet, and in getting ready to do that, Peter said, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And the Lord said, Well, that's fine. I don't wash your feet. You have no part with me. 
Oh, oh, well, in that case, wash my head and my hands and everything. You know, give me a great big shower. <laughs> and the Lord said, said, no, you know what? Just wash the feet. Everything will be fine. In other words, if you just do what I say, just do what I say. Sometimes, either one way or the other way, that old flesh is trying to draw attention to itself. And, you know, it's that person that just simply does what the Lord says that gets God's attention. You don't want to get His attention over doing over much extreme one way. Neither do you want to get His attention for doing too little of what He's asked. We want to get His attention in a balanced way for the right attention, the right reason that we're simply doing what He says. And as we look into the Word, I have read and you have read, no doubt, that the Apostle was inspired to write to us and talk, called it the simplicity of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The simplicity. We don't want to oversimplify it, neither do we want to make it complex. We just simply want to do what it says. And when it says repent, then we learn a good repentance. The king in Nineveh, all the way down to the dog, they wouldn't touch any water, they wouldn't eat any food, and they were calling on God until God would give them forgiveness and not destroy them. They showed a true repentance. They didn't just say it with lips and hearts far from God, but they absolutely showed the Lord that they meant business. They meant business. God is looking. He knows when your heart is committed to this. He knows when you're involved. He knows when you are got your heart in it. It's not just a half-hearted thing. What did it say about Ephraim? It was cooked on one side, but not on the other. Half-hearted situation. God's not looking for that. He's looking for you to get into this wholeheartedly. He wants you in this where you're giving everything to this, where you, you're not, what did it say about the men or people that were in the marketplace? And while they were in the marketplace, the Bible said they were idle. And if you study it and get into it, what it boils down to is they were in a place where God wasn't in all their thoughts. They were in a place where they were doing other things instead of doing things that were connected with the church and with the Spirit and the presence of the Lord. They were spending hours and days and weeks and months, even years, and they weren't involved to the degree to the degree, to the extent, enough of a percentage of their lives involved in the work. Until the Lord of the harvest said, come on. He said, come on into my field of labor, into the harvest, and go to work. He said, I'll reward you. Come on and go to work here. He said, get out of the marketplace. Get out of the idleness. Get out of the doing half-hearted, or just enough to get by, just to try to satisfy with eye service, maybe. He said, I want you to get out there into the harvest. I want you to become a part of the overall work of God. I want you to become a part 
I'd like to know sometimes, and I should probably go down to the mill and talk to somebody that's a little bit higher up and ask them just how many people are involved in bringing in the harvest this season. How many different types of profession or work or responsibilities are involved? From the guy with the cane knife or the running the harvester or driving the truck or the machine that loads that harvest onto that truck. All these different people, right on to the ones in the mill. How many people? The harvest, getting the harvest, is not just one single phase. It's not one person that's able to do it all. Have we not read where Jesus inspired in his word for us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, an assemblage of people doing the part that they're given to do in the, and to bring in this harvest, to be a part of the church and the great work of God. It can seem sometimes certain things seem small and you could allow the devil to tell you it's insignificant and it just isn't a big deal and it doesn't matter and just let it go and overlook this and don't practice that and don't get involved with the other. Listen to what Malachi said. Last book of the Old Testament, chapter 1. This was the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel or to the church, if you please, by Malachi. And listen to what verse 6 said. A son honoreth his father. I wonder about that sometimes. And a servant his master. If then I be a father, he said, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised? thy name. Now that's, that's what usually comes up right there. Instead of being honest, instead of, instead of just facing the reality of situation. I asked one of our sisters this morning about somebody coming to church and the person, she said, I, I asked and she said, the person said they weren't quite ready yet. They weren't quite to that place yet. And I said, oh no, I, I can imagine she's not. I said, because she knows what it takes to live for God. She knows what's involved. She knows the commitment that comes with this, that this isn't just playing church. This isn't just going to some social club somewhere and, you know, everybody just sits around and, and uh, does their, their little playful thing and goes out feeling good in their conscience because they went somewhere and they sat down. It doesn't matter about truth. It doesn't matter about you really getting involved. It doesn't matter about they don't want that kind of depth. They don't want that kind of relationship. They don't want to face that chapter and verse and that subject matter. They just want to go play church and go away with some little temporary good feeling about a conscience soother. But let me tell you something. you got to get involved here to the point to where you're going to get your sins fully pardoned. You're going to get remission of sin. You're going to get washed in the blood 
of the Lamb because without that blood, there is no remission. You don't want to come here and then go right back out the door being the same old you, going to the same old places, doing the same old things, find yourself still being run around by the same old spirits that you give control over to them and they control your life. You don't want to be a servant of the devil. You don't want to partake of his table. You don't want rebellion for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You want the Holy Ghost. You want deliverance. You want the power of God. You want a change in you for the good. You want to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yes. Let me tell you, God is a nature changer. He's a nature changer. You've got a nature that is all of us are born in sin. Let me say it that way. All have been concluded under sin. All of us need. I've told you before, I've had people say to me, heard you're baptizing so-and-so. Good, they need it. Well, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. He died for the whole world. Everybody needs it. Everybody. Listen, if you're not born again of water and spirit, and thereby that experience giving you a new nature, a spiritual nature through a spiritual new birth experience, then you're not going to be any of his. You must. Jesus said you must. We, our flesh doesn't like that word must. But that's what he said. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit. There are other things in the Bible that you must do. It's one thing to get saved. It's another thing to stay saved. Okay? And that's what Romans to Revelation is there for, to help you stay saved. All right? Book of Acts is going to give to you salvation. It's going to help you to know that you must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, the remission of those sins, and that you must receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost, completing a new birth experience, giving you a spiritual experience, giving you a new nature. Everybody loves the song, right? Once I was lost. We all know, done it wrong, said it wrong, thought it wrong. But then to act on it and say, I want to get something done about that. I don't want to just keep living in sin, keep doing wrong, you know. I want to, I want to be delivered from sin, from sinful nature. My nature is to do it wrong. My human nature is to go the wrong, the path of least resistance, going down, downhill. That's, you read about Jonah, everything was going downhill when he disobeyed God. Everything, down, 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 until he cried out of the belly of hell. Man, it got bad. Well, you know, the good thing was that he was, the kind of hell he was in, there was the opportunity to get out, and that's what took place. God had that old fish burp him right up on the beach and heard this word of the Lord a second time and got a second opportunity to go do what God said. And I'm trying to tell you, though, you read in your Bible, I trust you do, about the, the, the fellow that uh, did very well in life as far as, natural things, and was heaping things, and that was just making him feel good. <laughs> and then he died, and he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment, asking for a dip your finger in water, just touch the end of my parched tongue, for I'm in torment. Problem is, you're not going to get burped out of hell. There's not going to be any escaping that. That's a finality for all of eternity. So while you're here, while you've got the opportunity, 
let's make sure we're doing the things that he says. If we'll do what he says, then I'm telling you, you've got a guaranteed ending that will be fantastic. Eternally, eternally blessed. Going to be something that world without end in the right place. You'll be in the right world wherein dwelleth righteousness. You will be with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And it will be beyond our, our comprehension here in this world. But the Lord can show us through His Word and through living for Him and draw us closer and closer to the reality of what He has for us in the world to come. The world that Jesus said people were in error and they did not know anything about that world to come. And they had all kinds of made-up ideas and, and just getting all mixed up, all mixed up, all mixed up. Basing their thoughts and their beliefs on man-made ideologies, man-made concepts, all kinds of commentary, things that are not contained in the Scripture. One of the tricks of the devil is to get people to be doing things, and they feel like, again, the conscience soother, but those things are not in the Scripture. And that's not what he said. He wants us to do what he said. He's not interested in you doing what somebody else said, or somebody else wrote, or somebody else started their religion. He's not interested in that whatsoever. He is God. He is the lawgiver. And he gave his word to us. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And you don't add to it, and you're not to take from it. And everybody said amen. amen. Just obey what's in it. Let your spirit get in tune with his spirit. Your will get in subjection to his will and begin to do the things that he said. Beginning again with you repenting. Beginning again with you saying, God, I'm sorry, this old nature of mine is weak and my attitudes are wrong and I've been going for a long time in the wrong direction. I have the wrong desires here and I find myself being a servant to spirits that get me to do the wrong things. Help me, Lord, here. Help me to repent of that lifestyle. Help me to turn away from it and get a new lifestyle. Get going in a new direction. Get going towards you. And he will help you. He will help you if you make a good repentance. You will cut off the things that are wrong. You will not be around that anymore. You will not give yourself over to that anymore. You will turn away from that. And you turn to God, and you're asking Him to give you the strength, to give you the encouragement and the victory, to give you divine help so that you can be a partaker of His divine nature. And that's the nature that we get to partake of when we get born again. We get birthed through the church into the body of Christ, if you please. And everybody said amen. amen. All right. So here's the Lord saying, A son honoreth his father and a servant his master, or in other words, an employer, employee, his employer, if you please. And then he said, where is mine honor? He said, if I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, or a boss, or an owner, where is my fear? Where is my reverence? Where is my respect? He said, particularly to them, he said, those of you that despise my name, and you say, how, how have we done that? How, how have we despised you? you know, we're always trying to duck away, duck in responsibility, not being honest in our hearts that, that there's things we're not doing right. There's ways that we're acting that we shouldn't be acting. 
and, and these, this becomes a, a lack of honesty. And we've got to provide for things honest, honest, in the sight of God and, and of men. So listen, he says now, he told him, he said, you're, you're bringing me things that are polluted. You're bringing me things that aren't right. You're bringing me things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that to people in the world. You know, we've often said that, uh, that people in the church, that uh, to do something for the church, sometimes, disappointingly, you find them do it half-heartedly. But if they were to go work for somebody, you know, and they were going to make a goodly sum of money, oh, they're going to do that job real good. You know. But listen to me. Nobody should do anything better for somebody than they do it for the Lord. What we, should, what we do for God, we should say, this is for God. I want to do it right. Starting with living for Him. I want to live for Him the right way. We've lived for the devil. <laughs> you know, We had lots of zeal for the devil. We ran to all, I told you about the man that won me to the Lord, and he said he had been, and had been addicted to gambling. And every day at 1 o'clock, he would quit, go off his job, clock out if you please, and he would run to the racetrack so he could catch the last couple of races. Then he told me, he said, I was so addicted. He said, one day I was in such a hurry to get out of the house I was building. He was a house builder, a subcontractor, and his brother was a general contractor. And he said, I was in such a hurry. He said that I stumbled going down the stairs and I broke my ankle. When I broke my ankle, he said it swelled up really big. And he said, I was limping and limping and limping, and he said it just kept swelling up. He said, but I got in the car. He said, and I caught them last two races. And then I went to the hospital. Then I went to the ER. You know, how addicted you can get. How addicted you can get to the wrong thing. And put in such effort. But, you know, I got a little tummy ache. I can't make church tonight. I'm just not feeling too good. The sun's a little strong. I got a little sunburn. I got to go sit down. We have to evaluate ourselves. We have to ask ourselves. You know, my coaches used to tell me, don't give 100%, give 110%. They were out there to push you. They were to help you to do better, to get, your, to get the proper training, to get the proper attitude towards training. The apostle Paul said that it's a race, that we're in a race. The writer uh, that was inspired to give us Hebrews said the same thing. This is a race. It's a long-distance race. You don't get in this for a day or a week and get all zealed up for just so many people. You see them there. You know, I told you about the guy that would come down for prayer at 5 in the morning. We'd all gather for man up back in the day. We didn't call it man up, but we'd, we'd be down there in prayer, and, and he'd, he'd come down, you know, and he'd bust in the door. Oh, Jesus! And then you didn't hear him for the rest of the hour. Not one peep. He was over in the corner sleeping somewhere. But he had to announce to everybody that he was there. He had to make the big splash, you know. He had to make the big splash. I had a guy the other day gave me his phone number. His name of his business is Mr. Splash. <laughs> Maybe that was the guy. I don't know. Mr. Splash. Got to make a big splash. You know, the Lord's looking for sincerity here. We have to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. We've got to be sincere about what we're doing. Are we perfect? No, but we're sure trying to get there. We're going to put in an effort, aren't we? We're going to put in an effort. We're going to uh, yield ourselves to the Lord, and we're going to ask Him to help us. We want to 
bring honor to the Lord. We don't want to despise His name. We don't want to just bring Him any old thing we'll do. That's what He got upset about here in Malachi. He began to upbraid them. One place He upbraided people because of their hardness of their heart. They begin to build up a callousness. You know, if you don't, if you don't listen to the preaching and put it into action, and it, it'll start out very loud, you know. But if you resist it and you get into that mode of denial and go defensive and excuse making and rationalizing, at the wall, you can't hardly hear it because you get you get callous, you get hard in your heart. Your emotions start shutting down on God. And what opens up is those carnal emotions. And you don't, you don't want to be in church. You don't, you, you don't get uh, motivated and inspired by the move of the Holy Ghost. And after a while, you've got to be careful because you'll start to despise the move of the Holy Ghost. You'll, you'll back up from that. You'll get turned off to that. You won't love that like you used to love. And the enemy... He understands about the human heart. He understands about the spiritual heart to the point that he knows how to begin to clog it all up. And he begin, he knows how to turn, get one to callous over and get the other one to get real in tune with what he wants it to get in tune with. He wants you in tune with the natural. He wants you to get excited about the natural. Let me tell you something. Growing up, I never read the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. First 20 years of my life was a waste. And I want to tell you something. When it came time for, for the ball game, friend, I was there. You know, I, I played it all. I loved it all. I, much of it I went to. And, and other things that, that we did as, as young people growing up, man, I was all about that, you know. But uh, when I got the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized in Jesus' name, all of, that, I, all of that stuff didn't matter anymore. I didn't get turned on by that anymore. I didn't get excited about that anymore. I had one man told me, he said um, he, he was a professional football player. He got drafted and was uh, on the Chicago Bears. And uh, this is Bears, right? Chicago Bears, is that, what it is? is that what they call them? Something like that. Well, anyway, whatever that one is up there. And uh, he, he, uh, he told me, he said, you know, I, uh, I, he said, I've scored touchdowns in front of 100,000 people in a stadium screaming. And he said, but I went to a little old church house, little old church house. And he said, and I got the Holy Ghost. He said, you know, that's got to be some kind of powerful experience to compete with getting a touchdown in front of 100,000 people. He said, but man, I got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and he told about how that, that he just came out of all that stuff that he was involved with and how God changed his heart and how he began to do things for the Lord and zealous for the Lord and involved for the Lord. I'm talking to you about a nature change. I'm talking to you about God just changing your nature. That you're not going to be the same old you. And you're not going to go back to the same old you. That you're, you want to despise something, you better despise the devil. You better despise sin. You better just, just crunch up at sin and the thought of it and say, I don't want that filth and that waller and that mire. I don't want to be rolling around in that muck anymore. I don't want that in my life. I want to be clean, cleaned up, pure, washed in the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost, thinking heavenward, learning the things about the Scripture that I won't be in error. 
Do not read where he said, do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't make the mistake. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. <laughs> they said, you better say the Lord willing. You better acknowledge God, you know. How much better to serve it upright to God that you're going to, to do things in a manner. Listen to what Luke 13 said, beginning with verse 24, strive. Now, you know, you think about the word strive, you think about that's putting in some effort. That's putting in effort. That's not come see, come saw. That's not any old thing. That's not just lays around and, ah, you know, that's what Jonah was trying to say. He got mad at God. He got mad at God. You'd be surprised what can happen in your heart and the thoughts that can come around. The old devil stoking the fire, trying to get you to, to get mad at God, get angry at God. You know, I, they say if you're a preacher, you got to have a, a heart that's soft, but you got to have a, a hide that's like a rhinoceros. That you can't let people who, what did Jesus pray on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do, you know? And uh, sometimes you have to pray that prayer. You have to console yourself because you have to tell yourself if they were in their right mind, if they were in the spirit, if they were operating in the Holy Ghost, they would not do what they're doing right now. Wouldn't be thinking like they're thinking, acting like they're acting. So you have to let a lot of things bounce off. You know, you don't. You learn not to take it personally. You know, you, you have to learn that. People that you've loved, people that you prayed for, people that you've raised up, and they, they somehow they do some things that are very contrary and very hurtful and let, let down. They let down, and that lets you down. But you have to learn not to take it personal. He said, strive. you got to put some effort. You know, I, I, I remember at the end of long practices, twice a day in hot weather, just like down here, hot. And, uh, and then you had to run wind sprints when all you want to do is go get a shower and fall in the bed. Every muscle in your body hurt. You had a lazy summer. Now it's time to get ready. Everything, every muscle's hurting. Everything's tightened up. Because the end is hot, sweating. You're full of dirt. You probably hurt your hands, fingers somehow. And maybe your ankle hurts or whatever. And now you got to line up and you got to run 100 yards. And then turn around and then run back another 100 yards. And keep doing it. Strive. Push yourself. To enter in. To straighten. For men. I say unto enter in, shall not be able. When once, and say twice, when one of the house is risen, hath shut to the door, and you stand without, that means he shut the other side, and at the door, Lord, open unto us. And he answer and say unto you, know ye not whence who are doing that are going to be in that church. The devil will tell people, oh, God is love. God is love. God is love and love me. Do the things that I say. You'll keep my commandments. Because God is love does not mean you're going to just let any go on and just you have your way. You know, the flesh. It's the flesh. Oh, did you ever Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts chapter 5? How that promised some things, some things, they said things to the church, to the leader, and, and they kept back. 
forthcoming to the that said by the Holy Ghost. How is it? And he said, Now his feet come and fixed to take you to the grave. And of course, gave up the ghost, the spirit. Coming in later on, not knowing more than then. Not been any then. You know, because we used to say that to pull up that um, you can measure by the horn when the light because it let go. That's how quick I'm saying to you. Uh, nowadays, not that quick. Something happens, next thing you know, it's all over. That even the president can about that. Something yes and so fast he's going at it and it was out. So plus in these days and uh is teaching you that she and said, How about it? How does and so and thus and so already mapped it out talking out, you know. It woman that said a television goes with it. She called a technician to come out and fish. She said, Put away the preacher. Put away the Not have in that day. Why you and you're not doing do whatever. We want to just do what he said. And then we can hear the well done. Come and enter in to the joy of the Lord. Hear that, friends. I want to get that party there. There is temporary. Everything. Everything he is going to put in the world to come, it's eternal. So either it's going to be eternal life or it's going to be eternal damnation. And the choice is ours because he's made it to repent for us to baptize you in the name. You have a choice to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have taught how from Romans to Revelation, how to get they say, and how to live the life. Learn how the church, you don't make, claim this experience for the way they've lived. And that, that's a contradiction. That's a complete contradiction. He said here, he said, strive to enter in. There's some striving. It's not automatic. Ooh, I got it, I got it, I got it. And that you're just going to coast from here on. That's not going to happen. Because that old flesh is going to come right up out of that grave and going to reclaim you and harden your heart and, and just take you back down a road that's worse than the one was when you came in. And that's what your Bible says. The last state of that individual is worse than at the beginning. Now, I wouldn't like to think of me as being worse than I was when, as far as I'm concerned, I was bad. It was the grace of God that saved me and delivered me and pulled me out of the fire and changed my life for the good. And uh, what did that uh, song say about where I used to be? I don't want to meditate on where I used to be. I want to meditate on where I'm going. I, I, Jesus said he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And I want to be on that knowing where I'm going place. I don't, don't, I don't want to be shown what I used to be. That's been buried. That's dead. I want to keep that that way. I want to keep my life under the blood. I want to repent every day. I want to overcome every day. That's what Revelation is teaching you, how to repent and how to overcome that you can get the, the benefits of the overcomers, the things that are promised by Jesus Christ himself to the overcomers, not to them that slack, not to them that do the opposite of strive. We want to be among the strivers. We want to be among the ones that are putting in the effort. We want to, somebody, you know, people very often throw the word best around. I'm doing the best I can. That's quite a statement to make, you know. You may be doing good, but to say you're doing your best, wow, that's really something, you know. So we don't want to just say things here. We want to follow through. We want to follow through. 
How can I get in the church and start pleasing him? Start doing the things that please him. The things that he won't say to me, you're not doing what I said. You know? I want to hear him say, come on, you're doing it. That's good. Let's go. You're moving along here. Keep on. Strive to enter in, he said, at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in. Doesn't that remind you of Noah's day? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Noah, just think about blood that they didn't believe in. Unbelief had gripped them. They did not believe it was going to rain. They didn't know what that rain was. They had, ah, we don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. You know? People oftentimes think the prince know what he's talking about. But you know what? We've had to learn that when, the, when people rise up against me, and in leadership, what they're really doing is rising up against God. That's what your Bible says. That's what your Bible says. It's not so much for me to take it personal. What's happened is they've gone against the spiritual. They, they, they begin to revert back to an old nature. And folks, these people would not believe. They were operating in a realm of unbelief. And Noah, the preacher of righteousness, was telling them, I'm building this ark. And it may not look like much to you or anything you want to get involved with. He said, but I'm telling you it's a means to salvation. Say, but what? Well, it's fixing to rain, friend. What's rain? You know, what are you talking about? You know, all of that unbelief and all of that unbelief. Just because you don't understand, just because you don't know, doesn't mean it's not real and reality. There's a lot of things that we don't know. Science has has come a long way in their discoveries through the centuries. And, but those things that they discovered have been there all those centuries. And before that, it was there. But they came across it and they were able, through building blocks and adding on of education and, and uh, experiments and learning experiences, they were able to uh, increase on their knowledge and things. Okay, but they're delving into my father's mysteries that have been there all this time. Okay? And the Bible is here. And the mysteries of it are here. Jesus opened his mouth in the days of his flesh, and he said he would show them things, dark things, that were hid from before the foundation of the world. They were there. Now he's showing them. He's giving understanding, opening understanding to them. So you and I, we're striving to get into our Father's mysteries, to learn about him, about what's reality. Hear me now. What is reality? We're learning this here. This is not something you want to let go over your head and completely miss it, okay? You want to learn these. Jesus said, you learn of me. Learn of me. Come on to me and learn of me. Come on. He wants to teach you. He wants to instruct you. He wants to guide you. He wants to take you down the path that's straight and narrow, that's going to lead to that, that, those gates of pearl, that street of gold. He wants to take you, friend, to where all eternity is going to be a wonderful, most beyond understanding how pleasurable it's going to be. You don't want to miss that. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. All right. So look, he said, when once the master of the house is risen up, when that first resurrection takes place, that's it. That's it. That will be it. And not going to be a second to go to heaven. There's going to be one that's going to deal with that first resurrection. That's going to deal with getting to make it. You better believe me. Believe the Bible. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door. Imagine that. That ark sitting there. That rain comes and now they're, oh, that's what he was talking about. Well, it's a little late now. 
Sounds of the deep broke up. They're looking all around them, and water's coming, coming, coming. And pretty soon they're trying to find higher elevation. Pretty soon they're pounding on that door. Doesn't that remind you the New Testament told you about those foolish? And friend, they, they put it off, and they put it off, and they put it off. And now they're pounding, and they want to get in. They want well, what we can have. We want it now. We decided. Oh, how nice of you. you waited a little too long. Your timing was off. Because he's risen up. He shut the door. And you begin to stand without. Notice, stand without. Okay. Had a very vivid picture here at the yard sale the other day, Saturday a week ago. And a little girl got told by her mother to go in the car and stay there. And she got yelled at. And that door got shut. And she was just had her nose pressed up against that window and just tears going down. That's how it's going to be for a lot of people. And that's a very sad thing. It's a tragic thing. But you know what? This grace of God was brought to us. And we have an opportunity here. Let's stand together. And let's take advantage while we're, while the door is still open. While the door is still open. While we still have this beautiful, heavenly opportunity. Not only can we repent and get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name, but we can get renewed in the Holy Ghost. We can get renewed in the Holy Ghost. We have a real opportunity here to do things the way God wants it done. We can learn about Him and His Spirit and His presence. I don't want to find myself. I don't want to put myself with those people that are going to be on the outside. The door is shut. People are going to be weeping and wailing. There'll be gnashing of teeth. Hear me now. Hear the book. You tell yourself, uh, and, and you don't want to spend, believe me, all of eternity in your mind, your memory, just whipping you endlessly because you, you had the opportunity and you turned your nose up at it. You turned your back on it. You just said, well, one of these days, one of these days, one of these days. You know, or you got mad at God or mad at me or whatever. And I'm telling you, whatever it is you're getting upset about, there'll come a time in your life if you live long enough that you won't even re hardly remember what it is you got so mad about and why you reacted the way you reacted. Just the devil in the moment trying to tear it all up for you. Just trying to tear it all up for you. You have an opportunity here to do the things that the Lord says. Let's do those things. Let's have a happy ending. He's certainly planning on that for you. Get with the plan. Let's take a moment. Lift our hearts with our hands. I love you, Jesus Christ. I praise and worship you, Lord. Help me. Give me a new nature. Renew a new nature in me. A nature that will do the things that you love and you care about, you want. Oh, Lord God, I praise you. I praise you. Come on and worship him.
Whoa!